you Amsterdam Radio starts now. Hello everyone, my name is Flobo Voice, of course, and I'm your captain, your pilot on this crazy journey through the city of creatives in New Amsterdam. It's August. I, I, we're, we're trying, we're, we're attempting, but we are navigating <laughs> through 2020 for all its challenges. Uh, and it's good stuff too. I can't lie to you. I feel like even though it's been incredibly difficult in 2020, there are some good things that are happening. I uh, just want to say, of course, thank you so much for checking out this episode and all the other episodes of New Amsterdam Radio. Tell a friend about the show. Uh, I don't know if your eyes are on the Patreon, patreon.com slash flowballboys, but uh, this is the official announcement. New Amsterdam is in a new chapter of sorts, uh, updated the logo, uh, refreshed identity uh, for the brand, for the show, and all of that. But also, speaking of Patreon, and that's patreon.com slash flowballboys, the extended interview with my guest today. Uh, has to be the longest I've ever done. 80 minutes of just pure unfiltered chat uh, with Christian Blatt, who is on the show today. Christian and I are both hosts, uh, but he does it way better than this guy. Learned a lot from him. I always say that when I see him about the technique or I say the mechanics of hosting. Uh, and he's also a Mets fan, so he can't be all that bad. Uh, we sit, we talk about a lot of things happening in the world, a lot of things about how you can start a journey and roll the dice and have it pay dividends. So without further ado, let's give it up for Christian Black. Welcome back to New Amsterdam. It's Lobo and Countless episodes are going, but I actually have one of the biggest guests of all time. The man that taught me how to do everything there is. It is, it is about hosting, about presence, about being a proud New Yorker-ish. <laughs> Give it up for the man Christian Black from the Black Cast. How are you doing today, sir? You know what? If I can do anything to contribute to new content every week, every night, <laughs> every hour, yeah. I am honored to be able to help it. And I, I'm getting way too much credit. Uh, I think that uh, if, you know, someone who is who is a lesser uh, host than Flobo could uh, point to me for having, you know, led them down the road. But uh, uh, I appreciate all the nice things you say. We've always had uh, so much fun doing shows together wow. uh, over at After Buzz. And uh, I don't know if we ever did anything at Popcorn Talk. I, 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 uh, did you, one did Anatomy you... movie. Annie Hall? We did Annie Hall together. Oh, yeah, we did do Annie Hall, which was great. Mm-hmm. I was glad we watched that together. That's right. Yeah, so... But yeah, no, it's, we've always had fun and we've done, uh, you know, great shows and, uh, you know, shows that were okay, like Chambers. <laughs> we'll get to that for sure. Uh, I, I, I want to say that this is how much influence you have on me, though, because I used to post at Fulbito.com whenever. <laughs> and yeah. it was it was only one time I had a video where I said my website a bunch of times. And you're like, do you do new content every week? And I was like, I think I do. And so from that point <laughs> on, every Wednesday, I posted something because I told Christian about it after Buzz well, and his new content every week. So thank I, you. I, I, I learned that early on from uh, our, our guru over at After Buzz, Kevin Undergaro, just the idea of if you're going to be there, be there if you want to do every week, just set that tone from the beginning. If you're going to do every two weeks, you're going to do something to just make sure it's always there when it's supposed to be. So when people right. are starting out, I'm always, the first thing I always say is like, great, do four or five of them. And right. then 
you're probably the one that you think is going to be your first one is not going to be your first one. You know, right. <laughs> uh, I would never throw a show away because maybe it wasn't one of your best. Uh, I mean, I've done 300 and well, 394 episodes of the black cast. So and my favorite uh, is episode 368, the one I'm on. Yeah, episode 368 is a good one. Uh, my, my variation of my joke is usually we've done 394 episodes and six of them are good. You just have to figure out which ones they are. Oh, but smart. yeah, no, just the idea of consistently, you know, bringing it to people. And I, because I found with my podcast, the Blackcast, and yes, that's spelled B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T, uh, that it, when it, you know, it started, there was a lot of, uh, there were a lot of streams, a lot of downloads, and I was like, well, I wanted to keep being there every week. So that was when it started, you know, it branched out. It was always me and these guys I used to work with. Yeah. And now sometimes it'll just be interviews. It'll be other friends that I have from uh, other shows or whatever. And I think that that's probably what hurts the black cast is that it's a little bit of everything. And I yeah. always say that the black cast isn't for everybody, but for everybody, there is an episode of the black cast. You know, that is good marketing right there. How long did it take to get 300 episodes, 390 episodes? How long did it take? Uh, it's yeah. been seven years. So Wow. Uh, and, and there's uh, a couple of breaks in there from uh, when the radio show I worked for uh, uh, went off the air, as they say. And uh, just, uh, you know, I took paternity leave at one point. <laughs> and uh, but then also it's like I'll, I'll do a bunch of episodes together. Like, you know, in the early days of quarantine, uh, I, I would do like three or four in a week sometimes. Yeah. So I try. Yeah. And I, I try not to be too crazy with it. I try not to post too many of them. I try not to make them too long, but that always gets that. That never works. Um, I've done ones that are uh, shockingly close to three hours. And people, and I'm like, I feel like these are getting too long. And people are like, no, we want to be longer. I'm like, all right, you're going to get that. And so I think it (laughs) topped out at two hours and 55 minutes. Uh, And so apparently after seven years, I think I'm Joe Rogan, but uh, Rogan gets, can get away with doing three hours. I don't do it. I don't do it often. It was like for, it was like for episode 350 or 300 or something. I'm going to give you a little slice of Joe Rogan. That's pretty, pretty noble of you. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, yeah. So anyway, that, but that's the long rambling answer of, of just consistently posting it so that people know like, Oh, it's Wednesday. I'm, I'm going to, you know, if people are subscribed, they know to look for it. You know, it, they're going to look for it in their, if they get the audio version, maybe they look for it, Apple podcasts. Uh, they go to the YouTube page cause they get the reminder that there's a new episode, but uh, consistency is key. What, what brought you out of here, man? Was it broadcasting? And is that the dream? I don't know what the dream is anymore, but I'll tell you Who what does. Was. I'll tell you what the dream was that brought me here. Uh, so I, uh, I, so I grew up in New York in the rural suburbs uh, and I went to Marist College in Poughkeepsie, New York. Red Foxes, what up? <laughs> no one says that. <laughs> no one Literally no one does that. No one does that. <laughs> Rick Smith's played for the Red Foxes. And that's all oh, I yeah, I didn't know that. That's... And uh, yeah, my joke would always be uh, Rick Smith's played there. Uh, Bill O'Reilly went there for undergrad. So I would say that I was the third third most famous person from Marist College. It's probably not true because when you factor in like, you know, regional news anchors, you know, like, oh, he does a six o'clock in Albany. Well, that guy's bigger than me. You know, yeah, it's just, he doesn't have a black cast, so I don't know. 
No, he does not. But uh, so, and I, uh, I knew I'd gotten the advice early on that the thing to do was intern when you're in college because those connections are going to be really important. So, I set it up so that I interned my entire senior year of college. In the fall, I interned at Late Night with Colin O'Brien. In the spring, I interned at Saturday Night Live. So uh, those were really good. And and SNL is where I always thought that I wanted to work and uh, would would have loved that opportunity had it ever presented itself. But uh, I after I got out of college, I was a page at NBC. And I met a lot. I met a ton of people through that. Uh, people that like... I, I don't know. I mean, I could point to a lot of different people, but one of them is the executive producer of uh, Impractical Jokers, you know? So, mm. I mean, you know, I think he co-created it with those guys. Um, Simi Kostanowitz. Yeah, that's right. I just gave him a shout out. So somewhere <laughs> somebody's going to tweet him. Hey, I heard your name mentioned. It's going to be one of them. Uh, AF. <laughs> Kostanowitz. Yeah, he's a Mets fan too, by the way. Yeah, let's go Mets. Yeah. But uh, so, you know, and I just got to know these people and there were so this is like the early 2000s. There were opportunities in New York, but I essentially wanted to write. And no one told me when I was younger that you need to go to Harvard to become a comedy writer. No one had told me that you need to be super, super smart to go to Harvard. And I was not super smart. So I was not going to be a comedy writer. It was just sort of a, you know, those old like um, those old math like proofs, like if P then Q. Right. He was me being smart. So then it was not Q that I was going to be a comedy writer. (laughs) So, yeah, it just wasn't going to happen. So um, I had uh, so I got to I got to the year 2003 uh, and. A good friend of mine who I started a website with, made a few short films with my friend, Tim Sicardo, who uh, wrote a few episodes of Community. He worked on that show, Vice Principals, that Danny McBride did, and he's been working on American Dad for a while. Uh, He was definitely moving out to L.A., and it just seemed like, you know what, this is the time to move. I could move with somebody. I'll have a roommate at least. I, I knew a smattering of people. We both worked on law and order shows in New York. I worked on SVU and he worked on criminal intent and we just were like, I think this might be it. You know, I mean, this is what we can get out of New York. And, um, so I moved out to LA and within almost six months, I, uh, you know, this was the, the, the best job that I could get on the show was as a production assistant, but I was hired on Dennis Miller's CNBC show. So I started working there and the, it was a fairly laid back environment. And I got that job because I was an NBC page and I, I had the contact info for the line producer and one of the other producers, cause they had been pages in LA pages in New York. We looked down on pages in LA because they don't have that much to do. We had a oh. lot to do, and there's a lot. There's a lot of it's a it's a little bit more East prestigious. Coast West Coast beef and Pageland. Oh, definitely, yeah. What? Definitely. <laughs> because yeah, the you know Biggie had a lot to do at Thirty Rock. All right? <laughs> Where you know, I mean, Snoop it just wasn't as much. Right, know, of, course, of course, yeah. <laughs> but so uh, so I got I got hired as a production assistant, and I I did that sort of level of work. 
you know, it's just I, I would pick up a, a, it's a sort of an old media thing. I'd pick up all the newspapers, the physical newspapers and magazines every morning. I'd go to the newsstand. I would, you know, pick up breakfast. I would run around and do errands and stuff. But one of the writers was like, oh, you want to write jokes? Just give me give me some jokes every day and I'll submit some of the best ones. So and so I, I would give jokes to this guy, Jim Hanna, one of the funniest guys that uh, I've ever met. And uh, he would put them into the mix. And it's a very judicious system uh, what Dennis Miller does when it comes to joke submissions. Is he gets a packet with like 300 jokes. Every joke has a number. He needs to pick however many. So he calls in and he says all the numbers. He doesn't know who wrote anything. He doesn't care. He doesn't want to know. At SNL, you write jokes. It's got your name at the top of it. So... They're like, oh, well, we got to pay this person if we use that joke. And I sold one joke to SNL and all, all the time that uh, I was there. So one joke to Colin Quinn. Colin Quinn, who was also great. That, that uh, seems on brand for you, though. <laughs> yeah, well, Colin Quinn, would, every time he'd run into because he knew my name, because my name was at the top of the joke submissions. And so he would always look, because he was doing Weekend Update at the time. So he was always like, this is what we need jokes about, you know, you Give me some of this. So I, when I was an intern at SNL was when the Lewinsky story broke. So, uh, well, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I probably have like 800 knee pad jokes somewhere, you know, if I could dig them out somewhere in these files. Timely. Yeah, not really anymore. <laughs> A lot of jokes you can't do anything with. The, yeah. joke, I, the joke I sold, I, I couldn't even tell anymore. Oh, yeah. Standard it has, change. It, it, has a, it has a word for... Um, for mentally challenged people that we don't use anymore. Fair. But it, you know, it, it's, it actually, the joke was making fun of Jerry Lewis, but it used that word. It used that R word. So it's like, when I tell the joke, I always have to do all this ramp up. But anyway, so I, you know, I had written a lot of monologue jokes in, in just a few years, like submitting to SNL. So I felt like I, I still feel like that's what my best talent is. There's very little call for that talent, unfortunately of monologue writers because people don't do monologues the way Johnny Carson did. They don't do them the way that Jay Leno did. Jay Leno would do like an 11 minute monologue, you know, <clears throat> and um, he had a lot of, re- a lot of writers because of it. So I, <clears throat> I would write these jokes and I would uh, give them to this guy, Jim Hanna. And sometimes Dennis would pick my joke and sometimes they got on the air and that was great. So then I, I, it got so that I could write more jokes and I started turning in just as many jokes as the other writers. Uh, sorry, as the actual writers. And right. so I would find time to write the jokes and, um, you know, so some days you had a couple hours to do it. Some days I would write like 40 jokes. And to be honest, it's like five of them has the same setup and then another five have the same setup. So it's really just different tags, you know, but uh-huh. still, and, then one of the writers, uh, an, another really funny guy that I love, uh, this guy, Bob Oshak, started writing me oh, in. Yeah. You know Oshak? He warm, He was a crowd warm-up for the late show with Craig Ferguson. I saw him Yeah, he did. Uh, yeah, because he was a writer there. He did the warm-up for Dennis Miller's CNBC show. That was the first warm-up that he did. And um, he would write me into a lot of bits. And the Dennis Miller was impressed at how – uh, how little I cared about the bits about how I wasn't super prepared or polished or even necessarily very good. Uh, right. It was like, I would play his, uh, I would play 
I had a recurring character of Dennis Miller's no good teenage son, Dak. I had, <laughs> I, and I had a really bad wig that I would wear. I had, I had a catchphrase that I actually don't think I remember. Yeah, I don't, I don't quite remember what it was, but it was just like, well, dad, you don't understand. It was like that. Yeah. And it was that level. And it was always so bad. And, you know, we would have these interactions like during the, the monologue portion of the show. Um, and it was, uh, and so Dennis Miller got to know who I was because I would do these bad bits. And one of the things that I don't know where I learned this, I think I learned this in college from a, from a broadcasting producer, uh, who was a professor there. This guy, Doug Cole, who had worked in, uh, media forever. You just, you don't say no. If they write you in a bit, you don't say, oh no, I don't want to do that. Because right. they'll find somebody else. And I might have learned that. I think I learned that as an intern, actually. I think I learned that from uh, some of the Conan writers. It was like, yeah, if, you, if you're going to be, if they want you to be in something, do it. And uh, so I, I never said no. I, so I did some of the most ridiculous things. I, I was an astronaut with a helmet that was too big. I wore ladies lingerie. Uh, I, whatever they said, I was like, yep, I'm there. And, and I have all these clips. And uh, but you know, it's a, it was for CNBC and that's, uh, yeah. you know, that's what Comcast universal, whatever that company is. And they take everything down, uh, off of uh, YouTube. I could put that stuff up, but, um, yeah, it's a little self-serving. So anyway, go for your only fans account. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Except in my case, it's my only fan. <laughs> One relative. That's all. Yeah, <laughs> Wow. So I, within a few months, I started working for Dennis Miller and, uh, I, the majority and my sort of like, you know, there's this famous clip of, uh, of Madonna on American bandstand and, uh, she and I basically have the same career. So that's why I'm using it. No, but there's this moment where Dick Clark asks her, like, it's very famous. It's like, Oh, what do you, what do you want to do? I want to rule the world. And arguably she did at one point. You know, uh, she's yeah. lingered, lingered around a little too long. But uh, so uh, so if you asked me in a moment, like, well, what do you want to do? Uh, I, uh, I wanted to be Dennis Miller. I wanted to do Weekend Update on Saturday Night Live because when I was a kid in middle school, that's what I was like. I was like, oh, my God, this guy's the coolest. Yeah, I want to be him. And that's the example I use to anybody, whether, you know, when I – when people have made the mistake and let me speak to a class full of college children, um, <laughs> it's happened multiple I will, times. I will give that it has. I, I will give them advice, which is just always manage ex- your expectations for what it is that you want. And what I thought I wanted was to, you know, be on SNL, and I wanted to be Dems Miller. But I got the chance to write for him. I got the chance to work for him, and I've worked with him for most of the last 16 years uh there's a you know a few stretches between shows and you know time where uh well basically if he's had a show i've usually worked on it uh since 2004 because he just sort of i I don't know i just uh, he he's not that difficult to work with but it's very specific it's like give him this don't don't do that don't do this and i i tried to explain it to someone once and when his radio show started i was the i was his assistant but i would also write jokes and um there was a producer based in new york and he uh he had done other shows with non-comedians uh but because this dennis was doing the show out of his house just the idea was 
that oh this guy has done shows with remote hosts which now like every show is that way but this was you know in 2007 it's still that was wasn't deal, yeah. it was and it's just i i gave him some pointers i'm like yeah do this don't do that don't do this thing don't do this thing and then everything's going to be fine we didn't listen to anything that i told him <laughs> and after three months they looked to replace him and dennis miller to his credit was just like do you want to produce the radio show if that guy could do it clearly you can do it right and while the people at the company didn't say it like that what they said was look we can teach you how to be a radio producer and having been a radio producer yeah it's not that hard you, I, I could teach I, I i could i could teach you know most woodland creatures how to be radio producers. <laughs> uh, the ones that are hanging around in los angeles yes yeah just not squirrels but you know oh, yeah, of course. They, they don't have the attention span the it, squirrels though you could teach how to be producers for quibi Oh, but, yeah, <laughs> short form content. That joke has layers. I like that. <laughs> but so, uh, and and just the idea was like, you know, we we could roll the dice and see if there's chemistry for another producer with Dennis, but we already have that. That's the more important thing. So yeah, so I, I actually had to I, I actually had to think about it for a second. I'm like, wait, I wanted to be a writer, but then I realized I'm like, yeah, but I'm I'm really working with him. I'm still writing jokes. Uh, you know, I'm sort of writing, uh, you know, research and suggested questions for him. I was writing jokes for him. Within a couple years, I was co-hosting the show with him. And then that led to the Black Cast. So by moving to L.A., not only did I meet the guy who I thought was the funniest comedian, uh, and I, I still think that, that it's one of the sharpest comedy minds that we've had in, in my lifetime, and, uh, and so not only did I work with him and continue to work with him, I met my wife on that show, the CNBC show. She was an intern on that show. Mm -hmm. And I was a production assistant. And um, I always made the point that she had a better job than I did, except that I got paid. I just want to say, man, thanks for coming out to uh, New Amsterdam Radio. Here's where you officially put yourself over. Tell the world where they can find you and all your content online. Good sir. So if you've liked any of what you've heard in this conversation, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Christian DMZ. And that'll lead you to all the other things that I do. I have the black cast, which is the podcast that I've been doing for seven years. I referenced it earlier. B L A D T C I S T dot com. Uh, I believe episode 393 will be uh, up in the morning. So, wow. uh, but people won't see this for a week. So whatever. Episode 395 by then, who knows? But anyway, uh, so, uh, and my YouTube channel, the Blackcast YouTube channel, spelled the same way, B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T. That is where you find not just that show, but you'll also find some interviews that I do for the show. And you will find right now the temporary home of some of the shows that I've done for AfterBuzz TV, including Marvel Movie News, which we like to call Marvel Movie Talk these days like to respect the intellectual property that came before me but then we have the trump report which i co-created and uh kevin undergaro came up with that name but uh I, I i i lay claim to that and uh we were having so much fun doing the agents of shield after show with uh tehran and uh katie i don't know how to say her last name kawamoto i think and mm -hmm. uh, Rachel, who you and I did, uh, did, did Kirby. Radner these days, correct? Rachel Radner Goodman, Goodman Radner, author. Okay. 
yeah. she's all those things. But uh, yeah, so uh, we are doing the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. after show on my YouTube channel. So people who are fans of that show. And look, the series finale is just a few weeks away. And, you know, after what's going on hiatus for the summer, it was like, well, when you come back, the show's over. So yeah. I'm just like, great. Let's just uh, keep it going. Everybody wanted to keep it going. So we did. And we get a fraction of the audience we got, but we still have fun with the people who do show up for the chat. So uh, you can find those shows all at the Blackcast YouTube channel. And I will spell it again. B-L-A-D-T-C-I-S-T. But I'm at Christian DMZ on Twitter and Instagram. And much like Flobito, you can find new content every week. Once again, thank you so much to the purveyor of the Blatt cast, Christian Blatt, for being on the show. You can follow him over on social media at ChristianDMZ, as he mentioned. And uh, if you come across the Blatt cast episode 368, that's the one featuring me. So therefore, it's my favorite episode by default. Uh, you can follow me over at Flobo Voice on Twitter, at Flobito on Instagram, and of course, Flobito.com. The Patreon is patreon.com slash Flobovoice. You see all the interviews we have on New Amsterdam. They are on the Patreon, complete and unabridged. Like I said, Chris and I, we talked for over an hour about all things fun. If you haven't checked it out already, patreon.com slash Voice. Become a patron, support the arts, and support the homie. Uh, next week, we have a very special guest on New Amsterdam Radio, the first ever two-time guest, Dr. Courtney Beasley. I catch up with her as she tells me how the launch of her brand and website, Putting Black, is doing. So I can't wait for that. I want you guys back here for that. But until next time, you guys are all citizens out of the city for creatives, New Amsterdam. So until next time, the city is yours. <laughs>